Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. All right, now I'm going to talk briefly about the sponsors that make this podcast possible. And keep in mind that all the money from these sponsors goes towards hiring outdoor journalism interns. This year, we've hired three interns and paid them $15 per hour. And over the course of this podcast, we've hired seven different interns, not only helping us report on Oregon's outdoors, but also teaching young college students journalistic skills that they can carry forward. Plus, it's a pretty fun internship anyway. They get to travel outdoors, report about the environment. It's a good gig, and these sponsors make it possible. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that before we get rolling. So this part you'll recognize. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that is focusing this summer on the best way to care for its forest, beaches, and waterways through a promotion that emphasizes cleaning up and leaving no trace. We'll dive into how they do that just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to enjoy parks safely this summer. If you're camping, please follow campfire safety guidelines, such as keeping the flames from your fire to no more than two feet in height and using the fire ring provided at your campsite. And please use local wood to avoid bringing invasive insects into parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forests for seasons to come. Learn more about campfire safety guidelines, including current restrictions, at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're returning to what many consider Oregon's most beautiful lake and talking about the return of one of my favorite seasons, Waldo Boat Camping Season. Oh, yeah. But first, here's some guitar music to get us going. All right, well, today we're going to talk about the return of boat camping season at Waldo Lake, one of the largest lakes in Oregon and one of the clearest lakes in the world. If you've ever been up to Waldo Lake, just outside Oak Ridge, you know how that water is like emerald glass. And even when you're paddling across depths of like 50 feet deep, you can still see your shadow on the bottom of the lake. It's that clear. There's no place quite like Waldo, and that is particularly true in the late summer and early autumn when it gets cool enough to kill off those notorious mosquitoes that make life miserable here during the heat of summer. So peak Waldo boating season is generally defined as late August through October or whenever the snows arrive and make it inaccessible. Sadly, last year we missed most of peak Waldo season because of the Cedar Creek fire blew up last Labor Day burned over 100,000 acres. Waldo Lake was evacuated, 
A lot of forest was burned. It was tough. The good news is that this year, peak Waldo season is back. Even if the situation looks a little different and there are some funky closures in place. So in the first half of the podcast, I'm going to explain what the deal is at Waldo. Where can you launch from? Where can you camp? All of that important info to know in light of the closures caused by last year's Cedar Creek fire. In the second half, I'm going to add an older podcast where I break down everything you need to know about boat camping at Waldo. This is easily my favorite way to experience Waldo Lake, where you load up a canoe, kayak, or whatever, and head out to the roughly 50 dispersed sites along the shoreline, some of which have white sand beaches and with that turquoise water, it kind of feels like a chilly version of the tropics. So we're going to get into all that information about how to enjoy Waldo Lake this season. Let's get into it. Okay, so as I mentioned at the top, the Cedar Creek Fire burned around 127,000 acres at Waldo Lake late last summer and autumn. I wrote about the fire and its aftermath, but the bottom line for Waldo is a few specific things. First, two of the most popular campgrounds and boat ramps have remained closed. And so those two are North Waldo and Islet campgrounds and boat ramps. The only campground that is actually open this year is Shadow Bay on the southwest side of the lake. So that's the key point. North Waldo and Islet are closed. Shadow Bay is open. And that means the only developed boat ramp that's open is Shadow Bay Day Use Area, which has a really nice boat ramp. I have been told that because it's the only access point to Waldo, this day use area gets pretty busy on weekends, gets pretty crazy. So keep that in mind, get there early, or go on a weekday. So to do the boat in camping, you drive to Shadow Bay day use, you load up your boat, you'd head out on the water, and then the world is kind of your oyster. The only caveat this year is that you can only camp on the inside of the Waldo Lake trail that surrounds the lake and not on the outside of it. That's not usually a problem though, since most of the campsites are just, just 100 feet from the shoreline. When you spot them, they're pretty obvious. Other things to note is that there have been quite a few people dispersed camping around Shadow Bay, again, since it's the only access point this year. So I've been told that the farther out you go, the better it gets in terms of finding spots. A couple other notes are in looking at the burn severity map that I have of the Cedar Creek fire. The fire burned hottest last year and actually reburned an old wildfire scar on the north end of the lake. So there's a good chance there's not going to be any shade at those sites over there whatsoever. The fire also burned down to the lake somewhat on the east side of the lake, but it's a mix of low, moderate, and high severity. So I suspect that you're going to find some burn there, no burn there. It'll be a mix of those. But do be aware that anytime you're camping in a wildfire zone, the trees could mo more easily come down. So be aware of that. The last thing to mention is that as of right now, September 12th, no campfires are allowed at dispersed campsites in Willamette National Forest. That could change, but probably not for a few weeks. Campfires are currently allowed at developed campgrounds. So if you sh camped at Shadow Bay, you could have a campfire. If you go out to these dispersed campsites out on the lake right now, you cannot have one. If you want to know anything else about the road, trail, or campground closures up and around Waldo Lake, check out the story that I wrote on the subject. 
I also did a story on the burn severity of the Cedar Creek fire, you know, where it had the greatest impact, where it probably didn't have as much of an impact. And you can check out both of those stories that I will link to on the main story page for this podcast. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, I'm going to post a podcast that really dives into how to plan a boat camping trip and where to go at Waldo Lake. I'm Tiffany Roddy with Roseburg Forest Products. As a professional forester, I was drawn to Oregon by the trees and the vastness of Oregon's majestic outdoors. I'm proud to work for a family-owned, fully integrated wood products company with a deep commitment to our industry and our communities. Roseburg's sustainably managed timberlands are open for recreation and provide natural wood products that help make people's lives better from the ground up. We are proud members of AFRC, sponsor of the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. On the Tillamook Coast, we've cared for our forest, farmlands, beaches, and waterways for generations. It's in our DNA, and we bet it's in yours too. While visiting, help us care for our coast. Place trash in garbage cans, pick up after your pet, stay on trails, respect private property, and follow beach fire rules, which means extinguishing fires with water while also checking local rules to avoid igniting wildfires. Tillamook Coast welcomes your visit, and we hope that you'll become a temporary local while here. A few ways to do that include pitching in on a beach cleanup or taking a guided kayak tour to hear about ways to protect bays and rivers. There are science hikes to take, nature preserves and marine reserves to explore, or you can visit a farm, a commercial fishing dock, or even stop by a fish hatchery. Find out about all these options and how to care for our coast at tillamookcoast.com slash caringforourcoast. Once again, it's tillamookcoast.com slash caringforourcoast. All right, welcome back. All right, here's the podcast that I first recorded back in 2019. I'll do my best to edit out anything that conflicts with the current state of things up there, but if you hear about North Waldo or Islet Campgrounds, just know that this year they are closed. If you have any other specific questions, I would go ahead and call the Middle Fork Ranger District up in Oak Ridge, so you can just Google that, or you can stop by the Ranger Station on your way. Okay, so here we go. The other voice you'll hear coming up is that of former producer and co-host David Davis, who I still miss every day, so... Shout out to him, and here is everything you need to know about boat camping at Waldo Lake. All right, David, so in this edition, we are going to talk about visiting Waldo Lake, which is definitely on the short list of Oregon's most beloved bodies of water. And if you limit that to the places that are primarily about paddling and non-motorized recreation, that, you know, aren't about fishing and motorboating, I think it probably vaults right to the top. 
Yeah, so you're probably asking yourself, where's Waldo? <laughs> well, it's kind of known as one of the shimmering jewels of the Cascades. It's been a favorite destination for generations of Oregon families, and it's really not hard to see why. It offers a ton of stuff to do, campgrounds, mountain biking, hiking, and swimming, all against the background of one of the state's most scenic lakes. And really, one of the, the big draws is the clarity of the lake, which really cannot be overstated. You can see 150 feet deep on a clear day. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. It's actually more clear than Crater Lake in some ways. Like, you can see farther down. And that's pretty wild because Crater Lake is kind of universally known as, like, the clear lake of the United States. So the fact that Waldo kind of beats it in some ways is pretty wild. And, I mean, I... The way I would describe it, having paddled there a number of times now, is that it's basically like paddling in a pool of liquid glass because, you know, the color is this incredible rich blue. And like when you're in your boat, you can see your shadow on the bottom of the lake, even when it's really deep. It's kind of startling to like look down and see your shadow 50, 100 feet below. It's wild. Other than the color, the thing that sticks out to me about Waldo is that it's huge. It's the second largest freshwater lake in Oregon. 21 miles of shoreline, but it's surrounded by wilderness and a real lack of development, and you can just kind of disappear into the silence there. In a way, I don't think you can in other lakes in the state. Like, Oregon doesn't have titanic, you know, great lakes necessarily. A lot of its famous mountain lakes are fairly small, but this one is just, it just brings all the awesome things of a Cascade Lake together. Okay, so we could talk for on and on and on about kind of the beauty of Waldo Lake. Yeah. But we're really here to highlight a, a sort of specific style of camping. What are the details on this? Yeah, so Waldo Lake has three developed campgrounds. They're great. You know, you're able to do the classic forest service style camping there. But what you're also able to do and what we kind of want to highlight here is that you're able to load up your canoe or kayak and go camping at around 50 dispersed campsites that are sort of hidden around the shoreline of Waldo Lake. An upside is that you get to camp at some really cool places. Like there are sites near like sand and rock beaches, they're on high points above the lake. It provides this kind of choose your own adventure style of trip. Uh, the downside is that there's no bathrooms or trash cans or running water, so it's kind of like backpacking except over the water. Now other lakes in Oregon do allow you to do this, you know, and dispersed camping itself is allowed on most national forest lands. But what makes Waldo different is, again, it's just so large that there are just a million little different coves and inlets where you can go and disappear. And it's just, there's other lakes that just aren't nearly as interesting or small. It's like the full package here at Waldo. All right, let's go ahead and talk about how you get started. There's a few things to know in advance, you know, just before showing up with your canoe and tossing a bunch of crap in there and <laughs> heading on out, right? Yeah, I mean, you could do that and probably be okay. But, yeah, I mean, I'd recommend knowing a few things beforehand. And I'm going to start with a caveat that every story about Waldo Lake mentions, and that is that the mosquitoes are notoriously awful here in June, in July, and in early August. I mean, like, biblical plague bad, like, they'll pick you up, drop you in the lake, like, if you look at them funny, like, the mosquitoes are vicious. So the season at Waldo Lake is weirdly short, and it really just focuses on late August, September, maybe into October, but you're kind of tempting snow at that point. So the trick is, 
you know, you need the nights to be cool enough to kill the mosquitoes, but you want the day to be warm enough that, you know, you can actually like, make, make go swimming and enjoy yourself. So just to rule out spring real quick, you're probably, you would run into snow. Yeah, it's, the lake is at 5,400 feet, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, it's a classic mountain lake, but yeah, I mean, you're risking like really having a terrible time if you go there in like 4th of July or something. So again, it's a late summer and early fall destination. What about picking your boat? This isn't like dropping a large motorboat into Detroit, right? What are most people using to get out to these campsites? So one thing that makes Waldo stick out is that, yeah, it has the ban on the big motorboats. So you can have an electric motor that runs up to 10 miles per hour. I think that's mostly just for the sailboats uh, that you'll commonly find out there. So for this style of camping, it's almost entirely canoes and kayaks, maybe a stand-up paddleboard thrown in. But you want to make sure you can cover some ground because, like I said before, huge lake. It's, you know, if you paddle across the lake from the east to the west shoreline, it's two to three miles. And that's on the narrow side. Yeah, so it's, it's a big lake. The shoreline's 21 miles total. So you have to explore a big space, especially like, you know, if it's a weekend, some of these sites might be taken. You might be out there paddling for a while, so you want a good craft, and having experience is, is helpful. It's not a great beginner spot. It's also worth noting wind is a major factor. Waldo is known for swamping canoes with, like, big white cab waves. You know, when some of the storms roll through, it, it'll tip over kayakers. So I would definitely check the weather beforehand. Uh, I just did a dispersed camping trip out there. I canceled my trip twice because, I mean, we're talking 25 mile per hour winds like that will regularly come up. All right. So you've got your canoe or your kayak. You're loaded up with camping gear. You're ready to do this. What's next? Where would you go to get started? So all three campgrounds have boat ramps. And so they're the main access points. Cost $5 per night to park there. So factor that in. And before I talk about what to go, I should mention the places that you can't go. Because while this does allow you to choose your own adventure, there are some rules that govern this type of camping to make sure people don't destroy the lakeshore. So the big one is that you're not allowed to camp on the islands. Now, this hasn't always been true, but it is now. And that's tough because the islands are really cool. It's like the first place you would want to camp, but can't do it. You also can't camp on the sand of the beaches specifically. So you have to put your tent 100 feet from the water up into like what's already an established campsite where there's bare ground. Basically, they don't want you to go in there, cut down trees, camp on the vegetation. There's already plenty of these dispersed campsites, and you should be able to find them. Now, this is going to sound restrictive. It's actually not because plenty of sites out there. You should be able to get it done. Uh, The other thing is just leave no trace. I mean, this is a cool experience. For the love of God, people don't screw it up. And again, there's some more details in a story that Zach just published uh, on the trip at statesofjournal.com. One of the reasons I wrote that, by the way, is that when you read about this experience, like you'll find head fakes to it in stories and stuff, but there isn't something that specifically like lays out all the rules, all the details. And so that's what I try to do with the story that is on statesmanjournal.com. All right. So Waldo Lake is a giant place, like you said. Are there any maps or guides to finding these campsites? So it's, it's funny. I mean, the Forest Service kind of goes out of their way to be coy about the dispersed sites. Like, they say they're out there, but there's no map with, like, little dots showing you where the campsites are. You have to go find them. Like, you'll, you'll call, and they'll just be kind of like, yeah, they're out there. Um, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can't reserve them. You know, they're first come, first serve. So just, you know, I can kind of give you a little bit of a breakdown just based on talking to people that know the area really well, paddling it myself. 
So to start off, the North Shore has the burn scar from a wildfire in 1996. It's still very visible. It's kind of nice. You can navigate around it because it's always on the north side of the lake. There's a lot of islands up there, so there's limited camping opportunity because you can't camp in the burn area, can't camp on the islands. So the north area, better for day use. I don't know the south end as well, but it's supposedly shallower, has a little marshier, less sites, not as great camping. So I think it's fair to say that the long western and eastern shores are the best for finding dispersed camping. Are there any major differences you'll find between the east and the west shore? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're subtle, but there definitely are differences. So to start out, I mean, the east side has all three campgrounds, the major access points. So you're just by nature going to find more folks out there. It also has more of the really iconic white sand beaches there. And when people think of Waldo Lake and why they love it so much, it's often these sand beaches because with the clear water and the sand there, like it feels sort of like the Bahamas or it looks like the Bahamas. It's really... Tucked away in the Cascades. Yeah. I mean, and then you, you know, dive in to go swimming and you're like, oh yeah, no, not the Bahamas. So I came across more than like, there's, there's a ton of big sand beaches and then there's a couple of smaller ones and there are dispersed campsites near some of those. I guess I'd say overall, the East Shore is a little bit more family friendly, a little bit more people, stuff like that. So you had set out from the established boat ramp mm-hmm. and then either head south or north along the shore. Yep, basically. Okay. And it's closer too. Like yeah. you can get to those places quite a bit quicker. Yeah. So what about the west side? Yeah, the west side just by nature is going to be a little bit more remote. You got to paddle again, you know, two to three miles to get across. So that cuts down the people right there. There's also just a, a greater diversity of the shoreline. There's just more points, more coves, more nooks to explore. Like you, you can paddle in a long ways and then come out a long ways in a way you kind of don't on the east shore. There aren't the same number of sandy beaches either, but there are these kind of interesting pumice rock beaches. And for me, the western shore was more interesting to explore. That's where I ended up camping uh, recently. I would say it's a little tougher to identify the campsites, though. You have to get in pretty close to find out where they are. Yeah, so the trees come right down to the shoreline. Yeah. Can you spot like the campsites from the water or what? Not really. I mean, maybe people who know the lake really well, and there are generations of families that have been going there for years, but for first-timers, it's kind of tough. Like, the forest just sort of comes down to the lake, to the lake shore. It's rocky around there, and you just sort of have to get in really, really close to sort of figure it out. Like... The place I stayed at, I was looking at something else. There wasn't a campsite there, and then I sort of looked across the bay at this point and saw a trail going up into the forest, and that's how I identified it as the campsite. The only other places that I really saw were, like, because there was tents already there. I'm not going to say it's, like, super hard. If you put your time in, you got a good setup and stuff, you'll find the sites, but it's also not a walk in the park. There's not big signs saying, you know, campsite here. Yeah. So what's an overnight like? Is it good for stargazing? How's the exposure to wind? Well, if you're going, you know, late August, September, you're getting some cool nights. Um, so, so dress for that. I brought a ton of layers. A lot of the campsites have a fire ring there. And so you're allowed to have, you know, a little campfire at night. You're allowed to gather some downed firewood. Don't cut down trees. Um, great sunsets at night. Really, really epic sun, sunsets. I had an incredible one. The, all the clouds that came across just turned like bright pink. You could see the moon rising. It was really a cool experience. And I think Waldo is pretty famous for that. It's so big that, you know, it allows some birth for, for sunsets. The stars are probably nice in that, at, at night. I think I've heard that they are. Uh, it was pretty cloudy on my trip, so I didn't get to experience that. But I've, I've heard it's cool. And it's just, man, it's just a cool experience. The silence is, you know, deafening out there. There's just you know, the lack of motorboats, 
the lack of anything nearby, it's just, it's really quiet. So once you're set up with a camping spot, what else do you recommend doing? Well, I brought my snorkel setup, and that was a lot of fun because, you know, in that Bahamas sort of theme, the water's so clear that you're basically swimming in a swimming pool minus the chlorine, and it's amazing how deep you can see down. And this is going to sound kind of lame. Like, I don't know why this is so cool, but one of the coolest moments I had there was coming to a log, just sticking above the surface, just a standard, like, deadhead log. But then I, like, swam up to it and looked down, and you can see this, like, 50 to 75 foot tree just like shutting all the way to the bottom now in any other lake like it just disappears but you can see it and it looks like this bizarre like the world's largest like tent pole and i don't know why it's just it's really interesting you see stuff that you wouldn't normally see in other lakes so mr wizard what makes the uh the lake so blue and clear i think most people know that it comes from this amazingly clear lake you have this super pure water that's only really fed by rain and snowmelt. Like, there's no creek flowing in there. There's very little sediments in the lake. So, yeah, clear water, kind of very similar into the way that Crater Lake is clear. Which is actually only about 50 miles south of Waldo Lake. Yeah, in fact, if you're doing a road trip, uh, combining Crater and Waldo Lake is kind of a cool experience. You two of the most amazing lakes in, in one trip. But So the color of these lakes and rivers is largely determined by how much sediment is in them. So when you think about those huge rainstorms and floods that turn the Willamette basically that coffee mocha color, it's because it's bringing in a ton of dirt and sediment, and the light reflects off that. But when you have the clear water, it absorbs the longest rays. It absorbs that red light. So the shorter rays, the blues and greens, are what's reflected, and that's what you see. And the deeper the clear water, the richer the blue color. And you see that around Oregon. You know, Crater Lake, again, is the best example, that very... Clear water, deepest lake in the United States, equals profoundly blue water. And you think about very clear rivers like Opal Creek, Little North Fork, same deal. All right, so beyond the color, which was an amazing science moment for us here, (laughs) uh, what else is worth exploring? You know, are the islands worth visiting even if you can't camp there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the islands are really interesting. I get why you can't camp out there because everybody would want to do it. There's some, like, little postage stamp islands. There's some that are pretty large. One is called Rohadendron Island, named for the flowers that bloom there. During the time of year, you definitely don't want to be there. So, like, <laughs> you can get there and enjoy, like, these flowers on this island, yeah. but you are going to be getting mauled by mosquitoes at the same time. But it's cool. There's actually, like, trails that go up on the island so you can, you know, park there for the day, go up and explore. The islands are, if you only have a day trip or you're camping at the campgrounds, I would just go island hopping. Hmm, cool. So anything else to know? Well, if you have recreation questions, I would call the Middle Fork Ranger District of Willamette National Forest or stop there on your trip out there in Oak Ridge. It's pretty easy to find that district. A lot of information there. And while they don't have Waldo Lake specific maps, they have like district maps that pretty well map out Waldo Lake. There's a million things to know about this lake we didn't touch on because it would take hours and hours. You know, it was named for this famous politician and conservationist, John B. Waldo. Also, it was almost turned into, into a reservoir at one point, and you can still find evidence of that if you look close enough. It's such a well-studied lake, you can read, like, scholarly articles about it and stuff and really go down the rabbit hole online, but we'll leave you to do that. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore. 
along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest, for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.